Welcome to the first episode of the Four Out One In podcast with your hosts George Hamilton the Third and Carlos Costas. How you doing, bro? You know, I'm good. I'm real excited to to get this show on the road. We've been talking about starting a podcast for a while, so it's pretty exciting to um, start this this new podcast channel with you. Yes, yes, indeed. This has been my one of my bros since high school. We kind of bonded through basketball. We root for the same team. College basketball even brought us closer. So uh, this is one of my bros, and I've always wanted to do this with him since probably sophomore or junior year. We just never had the time to actually do it until now. Uh, so yeah. first, oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, yeah, started off. When I first met you, we we kind of immediately bonded over sports. The first time I ever uh, met you, I don't know if you remember this, George. It was it was like freshman year, it was like after class in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I think you were playing soccer or something. Then I was like, you know what? Let me just go play with them. Let, let me go kick a soccer ball with them. And then uh, I don't know. We started talking after that. Everything has been sports since uh, since we met the first time. So. Yeah, it's a long time coming to be here. Yes, yes. Uh, I guess we can start off with what when what when was the first time you fell in love with the game? Yeah, so so I would say the first time would, would have to be um, the 2010 uh, Lakers um, is kind of the team that made me fall in love with the game. I think uh, well, my parents kind of always played um, the Laker games. So I grew up watching those, but I didn't really fall in love with it. So like 2010, when I could really understand what was happening um, and just what Kobe did that year and bringing uh, a shift to L.A., that um, kind of sparked the interest in, in the love for me. Then after that, it just uh, grew from there. I think you can uh, agree with me on this one. It was like after that 2010 team, it was the uh, me being a smaller guard. I fell in love with Chris Paul and – the idea of him coming to the Lakers to play with Kobe was like my two favorite players. Um, I think that's like what really uh, made me fall in love with, with basketball that I was like, okay, like this is just more than just a game for me right now. Um, and then it went to the Lob City Clippers and then, um, you know, beyond that, that's kind of how I fell in love with everything. Yes. Yeah. Uh, when was, when was the first time you started playing basketball? Ooh, playing basketball, I would say somewhere around that time, probably sooner mm-hmm. um, than that. My mom kind of threw me into like a, um, a rec league, but I didn't really like it at first. But I was just a, a tough kid that didn't really – a tough, stubborn kid. I didn't really want to do anything new. Um, so, Mom, if you're watching this, I know you're laughing because you know the, the whole story behind that. But, yeah, very transformative going to that basketball league and playing. What about you? okay so first time first time watching basketball I would say would have to be maybe the 06 07 Lakers I mean we're both Clippers fans as we said but I mean we both started off watching Kobe uh so yeah the 06 07 Lakers would probably be the first I mean I still have all the the old jerseys of that my parents and my grandparents gave me of like Kobe and Shaq so uh, I still have all of those pictures and all of that stuff hanging on in my room. But in terms of watching basketball, it would have to be the 06, 07 Lakers. Kobe Bryant's my favorite player. And then afterwards, I transitioned into uh, 
everyone in LA is a Lakers fan, but I really wasn't a Lakers fan. I was just a Kobe fan. So around like 20, like 2008, I would say when like Blake, before Blake Griffin came, uh, got drafted, I would say I kind of pivoted towards watching the Clippers and then just became a Clipper fan ever since. You know, I, I think me and you are, are kind of the same in that boat, how we kind of transitioned to liking the Clippers. Um, that we're, we're kind of like going against the grain of sports fans, I think, just beyond basketball. Me and you specifically are like the two people I know that aren't really afraid uh, to go against what, like, whatever team is popular at the time, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. And before anyone says anything about us being from LA and being Clippers fans, just know we were all, um, we all fell in love with Kobe. Kobe did so much for the city and for all of us. So before you get on our cases for being Clipper fans, just know that Kobe Bryant's the reason we're doing this right now. So let's get that straight for Yes. Shout out to the Mamba. Uh, okay, I guess. Guess we can start off with the Final Four talk. You want to take the lead on UNC and Duke? Yeah, so that game actually just finished up later today. We're recording this like hours after uh, Carolina beat. Uh, St. Peter's, so I could talk about Carolina real quick. Um, I think UNC looks all the part of a championship team so far, and I said that um, before the tournament even started. I knew they were going to get seated low for the way they started off the year, but um, I think it was like Coach K's last home game that I was really like, okay, when the pressure's on, all the lights are on them, just like how it was in Cameron. They show up and they come to play, and they're, they're a tough team to beat, and every game so far has proven it, and they look all the part of a championship team. I mean, I don't really know uh, what else to say. I think this Final Four game is going to be pretty pretty crazy with them and all the other Blue Bloods in this. Um, but Carolina has been, been good um, the entire tournament. I think Armando Baycott is the um, main driver of that team. You could argue R.J. Davis has been spectacular in the last couple of games, but I think Armando Baycott's impact um, – he has his hand in everything on the offensive side, the defensive side, leadership. Um, doesn't lose his cool. He got into it during the Baylor game. Didn't lose his cool at all. Um, he's been super consistent, super solid for them. So uh, UNC definitely can can win a chip this year. And then going back to, to that game at Cameron Duke, I was kind of hesitant uh, with Duke on the other side after that game because, um, you know, I know they got to they got to a tough win over our Zags um, earlier in the beginning of the season and Carolina really punched them in the mouth. And I was like, dang, can they recover and play, play big time in the moment? So I kind of waited for the, uh, the ACC tourney game. Um, didn't really know what to think after that. Then the tournament came, they looked really good. I think Mark Williams and Paulo are one of the, the most deadly front courts. Um, in college basketball and Mark Williams has gotten nothing but better since his from his time at Duke and it's it's so fun to watch them as a team um, not only just because uh, the presence of Coach K but they all kind of like buy in to that like brotherhood culture like I don't know if you remember the moment George where they all slapped the floor um, right before inbounds play I think just buying into them it just makes it fun to watch like from a fan side and um, They've been playing super, super, super well. Their guard play is is up there with the best in the country. 
Um, so if either of those teams win the national championship, I won't even be surprised. I don't want to say I saw it coming or I'm not going to say I told you so because I really didn't. Um, but, man, those, t- those teams are going to be crazy, and I want to see that um, in the Final Four. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, first time ever matching up in an NCAA tournament. Like, it's going to be crazy. It's kind of hard to believe, but, you know, dreams do come true for college basketball fans. Yep. Uh, So I guess uh, I'll take the lead on Villanova and Kansas. Nova, kind of surprised they made it to the Final Four. I'm not going to lie. I thought they were going to get beat by Arizona or Houston, but I kind of knew the Houston-Villanova game in the Elite Eight was going to be a defensive matchup. I mean, Houston wasn't making any of their threes early on, but I kind of knew it was going to be a defensive matchup. Uh, Colin Gillespie, you know, heart and soul of that team. Jermaine Samuels uh, getting boards, getting points. Uh, I want to send my prayers up to Justin Moore. I know he uh, tore he tore his Achilles late in that game yesterday, and I kind of saw it as it happened, but I'm not a doctor, so I didn't want to speculate but I kind of saw his leg kind of do a little, it kind of popped out a little bit. So I didn't want to speculate, but prayers to him. Uh, defensive ma- defensive juggernaut doesn't really score a lot of points, but as I said, defensive team, so they don't really need to. As for Kansas, Kansas, I really think they have the best shot out of all of the four teams, out of the remaining four teams, well, three teams left. Uh Akbaji and David McCormick, probably the top two, probably the best duo out of the four teams. They have Jalen Wilson, Christian Braun, and uh, and Remy Martin off the bench that can score buckets if they need to. Uh, they defend well too. Akbaji is possibly a, the National Player of the Year if I'm he's if I'm not mistaken. I'd probably he'd probably get my vote. So uh, between those two, I would have to go with Kansas taking that game if I'm not mistaken with all that being said let's let's give our final predictions right now for the final four yeah that game what is do you gonna... have in the, in the in the championship game uh i got kansas and i got duke duke wants revenge for what happened at cameron definitely i'm with that kansas duke i want to see that in the championship game and who's who's your 2022 ncaa national champion gotta go with duke I gotta go with Duke. It's hard to root against them right now, especially with Coach K in his last year. I think um, it's just a good story for for basketball in general for Coach K. Arguably one of the greatest coaches ever, just finishing on top, just to add another one to the legacy. So that would that would be a battle of like a six man rotation because Kansas only plays like six part partially seven guys, but Duke primarily plays six a six man rotation. So it would be a battle between those two that I'd like to see. Oh, for sure. I think those are the the, the only two teams um, I think that can play six and be effective with six uh, the entire time, just the way their system. The, both of their respective systems um, are used with the with the type of guys that they recruited, and I'm so excited. I really hope that matchup is one we get to see. All right. So uh, pivoting 
if you don't know, Carlos is the resident Gonzaga Bulldog. He goes to school there. So uh, as I didn't see Thursday's game, but can you elaborate on what actually happened? Because I did hear there was some controversy. Um, yeah, so just post-game thoughts. Uh, credit to Arkansas. They deserve all the credit in the world. Um, they definitely deserve that win more than Gonzaga did. Um, one thing I, I will say is that um, Gonzaga did not play well at all. You can look at the box scores and they do not lie. We shot absolutely terrible um, that game, the turnovers too. And, and Arkansas really just um, came out to play. They wanted it more. You could tell that they wanted it more. Um, just the controversy that was going into that. Um, I know a lot of people, myself included, watching the actual game had a lot of uh, stuff to say about the refereeing in that game. That could be me being a biased uh, Gonzaga homer here, but I think a lot of people during the tournament have have seen a lot of stuff be called left and right, um, and it hasn't really been consistent at all. I mean, one of the most apparent calls, in my opinion, the bad calls was um, Chet Holmgren's fifth foul. I don't know how much more you want him to do in the rule of verticality. He literally jumped straight up, landed straight down. He didn't initiate contact at all, but... I'm not a referee. Don't really know the rule book like that. I'm just being an open fan in that opinion. Um, and before we we move on from from this game, um, there's been a lot of talk about Gonzaga being frauds. George, feel free to chime in whenever you feel. But a lot of people are saying that you know Gonzaga is a one seed, but they're only a one seed, and their record only looks good because they play in a in a really bad conference and. When it comes to tournament time, um, they choke every single time because they're not actual contenders. They're not a real one seed. Um, before I give my whole spiel on this uh, topic, George, what, what, what are your thoughts on I wouldn't call them a fake one seed just because you figured last year they made the final. Uh, what They've been to the final four, what, if I'm not mistaken, two or three times? Uh, yeah. So, uh, oh. yeah, in yeah, the past four twice in the past four years. Okay, yeah, so at least twice, two final fours, one national championship appearance. Like, it's just sometimes two, two, cha- two, championship two championship. Okay, okay, let me get my facts straight two championship appearances and uh, maybe two or three final fours, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, for them to like be called frauds just because they play in a weaker conference. I mean, you can't really say that necessarily because if you look at their non-conference schedule, they play the top teams in every conference or in at least the power five. So, I mean, you can't really say just because they play in just because their uh, conference schedule is easy because of their opponents. You can't really say that they're frauds and they don't deserve number a number one seed because their non-conference schedule kind of makes up for their conference opponents. But in terms of tournament play, I honestly would have thought this was the year. I would say last year, but Baylor was looking good throughout the entire the entire season. But this year, I was shocked during the tournament that they started off sluggish in a lot of games. And I kind of thought like it would kind of catch up to them eventually, depending on who they would play. I mean, I didn't think Arkansas would be that opponent, but props to them. They came out to play, and 
I mean, it's just another one of those years where we kind of consider what is Gonzaga as a number one seed. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I agree with everything you said, and I think you put a lot of stuff into pretty good perspective um, on this topic. But, uh, yeah, a lot of things I've been seeing uh, around Twitter and, you know, TikTok accounts and, you know, all the sports media stuff is that, yes, Gonzaga does play a, uh, a really good non-conference schedule, but a team that you play in, like, January, December – versus a team you play in March, that's two completely different teams, um, which I agree with, you know, March, everything comes into like fruition and every, everyone comes to play. Um, but I, I, I don't think you can say that we're not a number one seed and that we don't play any uh, competition. We're no power five, but we still sent three teams to the tournament. Um, and I think San Francisco played a, a fantastic first round game, even though they lost and, and, uh, and St. Mary's did the same thing as well, and they've been playing good all season. So I, I, I don't think you can you can really say that Gonzaga doesn't really play anyone, and that we're a fake number one seed because um, we've been to twenty four straight NCAA tournaments, and um, like you said, two Final Fours, two national national championship appearances. Um, though we lost, it's it that's it's still super tough to, to get to that to that last game and I saw this thing on on Twitter let me pull this up no you get uh, uh, oh one of the accounts they said that coach K went to five final fours before he finally won a title Dean Smith went to eight final fours Calipari went to four final fours and Mark few has been to two final fours so it's far from over that just goes to show you even with those legendary coaches, it is hard to win a national championship. It is no easy feat. So I think it's only a matter of time. And you know what, George, I, along with the entire city of Spokane and the whole population of Gonzaga, agree that we all thought that this was finally going to be the year that it happened. But enough enough Gonzaga talk. We'll, we'll see them next year. And excited for the Final Four next week on the next pod. We'll, we'll definitely give our opinions. Um, after everything went down. But kind of going into a, a transition real quick um, to the NBA scene. All right. Uh, I guess we can start off with Brooklyn. Kyrie finally being back full-time. Mayor Eric Adams made his decision to kind of – what's the word I'm looking for? not release the vaccine mandate for athletes, but kind of the private sector kind of go around it in a way so that Kyrie can play full time. Everyone's been waiting. This whole thing has been kind of weird. I mean, we're both vaccinated, so we don't want to get into the politics of all of that. But Kyrie finally being able to play full time is going to make the NBA playoffs interesting as they're sitting in eighth place. Uh, What is your take on Kyrie being back full time? I think that's huge uh, to him back in, in playing in Barclays. Um, he's been good this season, like in the games he's played. He's looked um, he's looked so good. So excited to see him in home games. And I think that's big. You have to think that Mayer had to change it because they're an eight and he doesn't want to see them in the play-in and stuff. You know, you, you can you can argue that Mayer wants to see Kyrie play. But 
I think that's going to be huge for them. And I think that makes them even scarier of a team if they play in the play-in and playing at a not with home court advantage um, in the playoffs is going to be so scary uh, for whoever's at the top and has to play them. And I think with both of him, him and Durant, again, automatic contenders, especially the fact that now you have them 100% of the time, not just 50% of the time in the playoffs. It's huge. Do you think – I think they're the favorites to win right now. Ah. Even sitting at eight, I think you can't count them out. And I think they're still contenders. Yeah, yeah, I would say they're contenders. I don't know about winning the whole thing. Boston just looks absolutely like the best team in the conference. I wouldn't say best team in the league because there's obviously Phoenix, but best team in the conference for sure. I would say I'd go Boston, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Philly as the top four. But uh, Brooklyn with Katie and Kyrie and the way they've been playing over the last, what, five or six games, like, can't count them out, especially with. Uh, hold on, hold on. Let, let, let me get this list straight. I did not mean to say the favorite to win at all. I meant to say like there's still contenders being eight. Continue. Sorry. Now you good. I understand what you meant. Uh, but Brooklyn sitting in the eighth spot, two games behind Cleveland and Toronto. Uh, as long as they don't get Toronto for a play in game they'd be kind of solid. I still think they can be either one of those teams in the play-in, but as long as they don't get Toronto in that seventh spot and have to travel to Toronto where Kyrie can't play, uh, they should be able to kind of beat all, all of the teams in that conference. I'd say Boston, Milwaukee, and Philly would give them a scare, but with the way Katie and Kyrie play and the rest of those guys, Curry, Drummond, uh, the bench would need to play excellent in that in the playoffs, but other than those four, three teams, they should be able to get to the finals out of the East. Hundred percent, and I think this is a good. This is as good as the East has ever been in the past couple of years. Just having that many um, contenders, you know, usually the past couple of years has been like top two, whoever's in the top two, probably walking out of it. But this is exciting, and I love playoff time. I love this time of March for college basketball. And then the playoffs coming around, I can't wait to transition um, fully into that and to see these games. I think Toronto, like you said, definitely is going to be tough without Kyrie. And that team, um, kind of a sleeper team to make it deep in the playoffs, to make a run at it. But um, I like Freddie carrying that team, man. I've been a fan of Freddie for so long. It's kind of hard for me to root against him. It's a little of a homer of a pick, but I'm excited if that game happens. Um, and Boston, six-game win streak. Um, I added that to a, to a topic right before we started this to ask George if Boston, if he thinks Boston is a real contender and um, why. Boston, I didn't even know that. I didn't even know they were first until like I just checked the standings. Uh, Boston is wildly, it's been a crazy season. I remember when the season first started, the whole media was like, oh, should they trade Jason Tatum? Should they trade Jalen Brown? I was kind of a part of that narrative, but I was like, Tatum and Brown, they've got this. And ever since probably I'd say November, December, they've just been climbing up the, the standings. And as you see, as we see now, their first place riding a six game win streak, 
Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are playing well. Uh, the bigs, Horford and Williams, are playing pretty good against all of the top centers in the league. They just held Cat, I think, to like 15 points tonight. So, uh, And then they held Jokic to 20, I think, but he shot 8 of 23 last week uh, when they played. So the the team is just gelling at the right time, and I would not be surprised if they were to get out of the East. Gelling at the right time is like the perfect phrase that I would describe this team as right now. Um, you always say like in college basketball, you want to peak at the right time. You want to peak in March. And they're doing that right now towards the end of the season. They're going to have all momentum going into the playoffs and going, just going off of what you said about Horford and Williams. I think that um, those two have been a sleeper front court on the defensive end of the court. I've, I've um, even when they got Horford back, um, the Celtics did. I knew that I was like, damn, they're going to be good on defense uh, with Williams kind of being more of the rim protector and Horford being more of the, the paint protector and Robert Williams being able to learn a lot from Al Horford because Al Horford's always been like a plus defender his whole career. And yeah, they're going to be a, a scary, scary team to, to play in the playoffs with all this going on right now. All right. Uh, I guess we can transition into another team in the Eastern Conference, the Chicago Bulls. Earlier this week, they got destroyed by the Bucks, which made them 0-16 in, against teams, against top three teams in the Eastern and Western Conference. And they've fallen from one to from the first seed to the fifth seed. Uh, a lot of that is due to injuries. Patrick Williams just came back. Lonzo has a setback with his knee injury. They just got Caruso back like a week or two ago. So, I mean, I'm not surprised that they were, that they fell from the first to from the first seed, but the drop off and the fact that they haven't beaten a top 16 team or a top three team in either conference in every matchup they've had against those three teams is kind of a bit worrying to me. Uh, depending on what happens with Lonzo, they might be able to get out the first round, but I would not be surprised if they were to uh, get knocked out in the playoffs in the first round, just because uh, the teams that they would be lose that they would probably have to play are teams they haven't beaten. And I mean, the, the best thing for them is to get a a matchup against a young Cleveland team that hasn't really had much of experience outside of Kevin Love. But I would say that Chicago would definitely need to get everyone healthy for them to have a shot. What's your take on that, by would the way? You would you consider con contenders before I say my opinion? Uh, contenders, I'd say sleeper. They're like, they're like the Miami Heat. And I mean, I know the Miami Heat, are getting a lot of slack for everything that's happened over the past two, two to three days with the whole Udon and Butler incident, but they've been called the, the, the Utah jazz of the East. I still have faith that they can get out the first round. I don't know if they have the, the ability to get out the, the second, like the bulls, but like, the, uh, like the bulls in this case, but uh, those two teams are like dark horses outside of Milwaukee, Brooklyn, uh, Philly, and Boston. I'm with that. That that's very fair, and uh, I think that 
the Bulls, that's a very concerning that they haven't um, won a game against top three teams, which is uh, like what you said earlier. It's like, that's not good because you're going to play them deeper in the playoffs if given you make it that far and you have not beat them all season, regardless if you have uh, Caruso, Lonzo, or what have you, that Patrick Williams that have all been injured in this time. Um, I think that's going to be very scary. And even if when you get them back for the playoffs or if you get them back in the playoffs at all, um, I don't know how much that's going to do for you because even the beginning of the season, they still were not winning games against top three teams. Um, the the saying is like, uh, you always got to beat the bad teams, but the great teams beat the good teams too. Um, but, you know, the Bulls will beat the bad teams, but haven't beat any of the great teams. So that's that's going to be very interesting to see in the playoffs. And that team doesn't really have a lot of playoff experience, I don't think, aside from from DeRozan, um, maybe Vucevic. Oh, here we go. And Alex Caruso, LA's favorite. Here <laughs> we go. Can't can't forget the the goat for the Lakers. Even though we're both Clipper fans, he was one of my favorite players to watch while he was on the Lakers. Should have won Finals MVP. You didn't hear that from me though. <laughs> uh, to piggyback off of your points, I would say playoff experience for them is very, uh, very limited outside of DeRozan. I mean, you can throw Vucevic in there, but he played for the Orlando Magic that got swept probably much every time he was in the playoffs, except for that one year they beat, I think, Toronto. And that was the game DJ Augustine like played well and yeah. Kyle Lowry played like played bad. But uh, outside yeah. of those guys and Caruso, like this team really doesn't really have a lot of playoff experience, which is kind of going to be uh, crucial for them if they do not get a team like the Cavaliers who are in the same boat as them. But um, I guess with that, we can kind of transition to the Western Conference if you want. Uh, I guess we can talk about the best team in the league by far, the Phoenix Suns and the whole Devin Booker not getting MVP considerations. I mean, it, it's not wrong for you to say that he's having an MVP type season because he's been the best player on the best team in the league, which is, you know, by definition what you would think the MVP is. But over the years, MVP has just went to who has the most points per game, rebounds, all that wins don't really matter as much um, anymore so yeah and you have to have a lot of star power with that too and a lot of um, people in the league need to kind of like you like league and fans uh, Giannis the Jokic um, they put up crazy numbers and individually they're having probably one of the better seasons so MVP I don't know I don't want to get in get into the whole talk about like how MVP voting should be and everything. But I think that Book is definitely having an MVP caliber season. Um, he's been amazing for this team. And going into the season, I was saying, I hope that this man doesn't get another uh, injury reserve all-star because it's going to say all-star, but his legacy is going to be like, oh, he was an injury reserve. But I'm I'm really happy. I've been a fan of Booker. Uh, for a couple of years now, I'm happy that he's getting all the love for MVP, all the love for the season he's putting up. He's no longer an empty stats guy. Um, 
his his box numbers and what he does on the court translates uh, to winning. So I'm happy about that. But what else do you have to say about the Suns, George? Uh, leadership for Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton putting up at least 18 and 10 a night. Mikel Bridges, 3 and D wing, locking up the other team's best perimeter player. Uh, Cam Johnson, that game he had versus, I want to say... Yeah, New York. Okay, thank you for helping me out there. New York, where Booker and Paul were both out, but he made the the game-winning three after having 30, 37 points to close the night. Like, this team is just built for a championship run. And as I said last year, they were just missing a backup center. They got that with JaVale McGee. Uh, Dario Saric, I'm pretty sure, is would probably be returning soon. Uh, at least for a playoff run, if they want to go small and not have to play Javel, uh, that team is just built really well. Uh, props to James Jones, Monty Williams, always been a good, a great coach. And uh, I want to give a shout out to Devin Booker for wearing my school's sweatshirt uh, after the game versus Denver. I didn't even know about that until he, until I saw a post from, I go to Howard University, by the way. I didn't know he wore a sweatshirt in the post-game press conference until I saw a post about it today talking about he isn't getting MVP considerations. And, I mean, I don't want to get into the whole MVP talk because I do believe that he should be – I do believe that he should have been in the MVP conversations from partially the middle point of the season. I mean, we were giving DeRozan MVP considerations – for dropping 35 points for like 10 consecutive games. But Booker was playing on the best team by far and not getting any uh, consideration for the award. That being said, I I think he should be top five, if I'm not mistaken. But I don't literally see him having a chance of winning it outside of like Jokic, Embiid, and probably Giannis. It's, it's pretty interesting that you brought up the, the DeRozan point because I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I, I don't think Booker is going to win MVP. But, yes, I do think he should be um, be up there in the MVP, like, rankings or what have you. But why do you think that is, that Devin Booker is not up there, but DeRozan was? Uh, I just think at the time, the Bulls, they were one of the hottest teams in the league. Uh, before Lonzo and Caruso went down, they were – playing lights out defensively offensively uh they probably DeRozan was like the catalyst hitting all those game-winning shots versus Indiana and Washington uh he his ceiling for MVP kind of just rose and then as Caruso and Lonzo got injured they started playing bad offensively and defensively and I think his stock just dropped whereas Booker really wasn't even getting MVP considerations all of all season until recently probably within the last week but as I said the he yeah he should get MVP considerations but he's probably not gonna win it I think he has a storyline there that DeRozan has a storyline the Bulls weren't good um, he played for the Spurs, but didn't make the playoffs. Comes out of nowhere, um, playing like an MVP. I don't know. I'm 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 about to go on a deep dive in, in NBA <laughs> MVP 
uh, voting here, but love to the Suns. Um, we're rooting for you. <laughs> me, me and George both were rooting for for the Suns for this one, just for our guy Chris Paul. Yeah. Uh, I guess from there we can kind of transition into. Uh, you want to talk about Memphis or Golden State? Oh, we we could talk about Memphis because I was going to say, does John Moran need to be in consideration for the MVP too? Yeah. Uh, you want to just give your your top five off the off the <laughs> top five, even though we kind of know it's a three man race, like. Just give your top for five. for MVP. Yeah, for MVP. I think um, I think I think Jokic is probably going to win it. Um, again, he's probably going to go back to back. I think Giannis deserves to be up there um, for sure in the top two. Um, yeah, I said top two over Joel. I'm, I'm liking Giannis's this season a little more than his. Yeah, Embiid again. You can't forget about him. Though that's the consensus consensus top three, um, pretty much this season. Then I think yeah, uh, Booker, Booker and Ja, four or five, whichever way you want to put them. I think those two for sure need to be out there um, in MVP. And um, hmm. would you throw LeBron in there? No. Interesting because, oh, here I go again, trying to talk about the way voting works because he's having a great season by himself. What about you for, for top five? Uh, my list is probably the same. Jokic, that's that's my guy. If you look at my tweets on Twitter, uh, I'll probably give my Twitter handle at the end of the this at the end of the video. But Jokic, I've been a very big supporter of him ever since he kind of was gaining traction back in like 2017, 2018. I've uh, been a big fan of his. I would say Joel is probably second, having a great season, kind of carried the Sixers while Ben was out with mental health. And then uh, Giannis at number three. Giannis has had a great season, kind of struggled in the beginning due to all the injuries and uh, health and safety protocols the Bucks were going to going through. But uh, he's kind of carried them to at least the third or fourth seed. And then at least four and five, I would probably go, probably go John Booker, to be honest. Like, they've just been having great seasons. Jaw elevated the Memphis Grizzlies, did not think they would be fighting for a top three seed in the Western Conference. Uh, but he's been that guy along with that team. And uh, as well for, as for, uh, as for the, as for the Suns, Booker 26 and six on at least good efficiency uh nothing more you can ask for like an mvp candidate as i said he probably wouldn't win but he's putting up mvp type numbers and to kind of go into depth on that i saw a post on twitter where they were like in 06 steve nash put up like 16 and 12 and won mvp but devin booker's putting up 26 and 6 and not getting mvp considerations which i kind of thought thought was interesting i mean it just goes to show you like the way MVP voting kind of works in a way. But as I said, we're neither of us 
are really big and we're not media people so uh we can't get into like the whole logistics of mvp voting as for award voting i would like to see a best offensive player award similar to like the nfl how they do uh the best offensive player of the year and then they have their own mvp award where like you could kind of distinguish the two because if i was to be honest i would say Jokic is the mvp and then it's probably like a four-man race between uh for at least offensive player of the year i think i think that's an interesting take if um basketball was to put an offensive player of the year and a defensive player of the year i think that'd be pretty crazy um just the way the league is is trending but i think offensive player of the year is not far to say i mean every year you you see um guys breaking records that have never been done before from a scoring perspective scoring and shooting perspective so yeah i'd I'd love to see an offensive player of the year um along with the defensive player of the year i think that that'll be i don't know i'm trying to like imagine who would win it and who would win it down the future in the future but it's like what would distinguish an mvp from an offensive player of the year yeah i mean i think that's the by the way there is a defensive player of the year <laughs> uh, uh they, they don't get any love in the nba man yeah that is true uh i mean the last few people to win that award have been what rudy and want to say Giannis one year but if i'm not mistaken but i mean those two have won the the defensive player of the year but they don't really get a lot of love for it um as to distinguish the offensive player and mvp you do make a good point it would kind of be hard to distinguish it i mean i'd like to kind of see what the M- what the nfl how they distinguish it and how those awards are given out cuz i think it's only been a handful full of times where the offensive player of the year has won ha, has been different from the MVP per, uh, from the person that won MVP so uh, if we could if there was a way to kind of see how they distinguish it and then how the NBA could possibly distinguish those two awards it would be kind of interesting uh, I, I, I've always I've always wondered that too because obviously football is played on like two different sides of the ball but like distinguishing offensive player and MVP. I've always just thought of it. MVP is like a, it's a quarterback race in, in, in my eyes, but I'm a casual when it comes to, to football. So don't take my word for it. <laughs> uh, I guess we can kind of pivot to a team, to our teams, I guess. Uh, the Clippers sitting in at 36 and 39. We're still a, a playing team, most likely going to make the play in regardless. Uh, but what I want to touch on is the fact that we've lost five straight games. And I mean, I know f- at least four of those games have been against like top teams such as uh, Denver, uh, Phoenix, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but we've played a lot of the the top teams in the in the league. And I'm not surprised that we kind of have been losing, but I didn't expect us to be losing uh, at this pace going into the playoffs. I mean, I still feel like we're a dangerous team regardless, but uh, losing five straight against good teams going heading into the playoffs is not good. 
Uh, so I want to get your take on like how you think we are going into this playoff, going into the playoffs. I mean, I think we still have a, a tough stretch to close out the season, which will not be very good good for this type of team that doesn't really have a definitive go-to um, type star, if you will, Paul George and, and, and Kawhi not being there. Um, so, you know, I, if, if, if we lose in the playoffs um, or in the playing game, I will not be surprised at all. That's going to exceed expectations for this team, I think. And I think making the playoffs um, in general, and if we make it out the play-in and maybe even take a game in the first round, that's that's going to be an accomplishment in itself, given the roster and everything that um, has, has happened this season. But I think we're still slept on, honestly. I think the five, given that we lost five games in a row, we're still sitting at the eighth spot. Um, just goes to show you that this team really isn't uh, just a cakewalk of a team if you were to play them in the playoffs and you still have to prep for them and everything if you go into a playing game against them. Um, I say that after I just said it. I'm not surprised if they lose and everything. But, um, yeah, what, what do you think about the Clippers right now? Uh, I mean, overall, I am very I am very excited about this. I've been excited about this team without PG uh, after the first, like, what, 10 or 15 games. They've held their own against a lot of teams. Obviously, without your two stars, you were going to have bad nights shooting defensively-wise, too. But there's been times where there's been at least five, maybe six times where we've played poor in the first half and we've ended up coming back in the second and winning, a, and winning the game. Uh, I would say that Overall, this team has been one of the more exciting teams, Clipper teams I've rooted for uh, just because the team kind of had low expectations going in. We were slated to be at least in an eight or nine seed, which is where we are right now. I would say that there are games that we should have won, but we've kind of just came, uh, we came out flat in the second half or late in games. And uh, as you said, we don't really have a definitive score. I mean, if you want to say Reggie Jackson is our go-to guy in this sense. Uh, yes, yes, he is. <laughs> we love Reggie. Yeah. We love Reggie. Reggie has played well, uh, even with P with PG there and then without PG there. Uh, Terrence Mann has given us a great boost. Marcus Morris does his thing. Uh, Nick Batum plays well offensively and defensively. And just the whole Clipper team, as I said, I'm not surprised that we're an eight or nine seed, but uh, as I don't know if you saw the video, PG was getting uh, getting up shots in the game uh, before the game on Friday versus Philly. Uh, so there may be a chance he comes back, but I wouldn't I, it, to me, it's not worth the risk. I mean, if he wants to play, like he he's all capable to play. But and then as well as Norman Powell coming back, uh, those two players, if we they do come back for at least a play in or playoff scenario, like as I said, uh, we can at least give any team a run for their money. No, I, I'm fully with that. I'm looking at the rest of our schedule. We have Utah, 
Chicago, Milwaukee, New Orleans, Phoenix, Sacramento, OKC. Ooh, uh... So we're, we're, we're playing some pretty good teams and some pretty bad teams. So we'll see if we can pick up off this, this five-game losing streak just yeah. to give us something going into the playoffs. Yep. Uh, with that, I know you before we even started this podcast, you said we didn't want to talk about the Lakers, but I guess since they just – uh, blew a lead to the New Orleans Pelicans tonight. Uh, guess we can talk about Braun putting up a great stat line and them choking the bed once again. Sorry, Laker fans. Don't come at us. I mean, I said earlier LeBron's having a, a great season individually uh, for himself. I think it's just going to add to his legacy and just – I mean, you know, playing in LA, the all eyes are on you. The pressure is high, super high expectations. I mean, it for the Lakers as an organization, you your standard is a championship, nothing lower. So I, I know playing as a for the Lakers playing um, under those expectations is is not any fun. But the one bright side you have in this season is LeBron, um, adding to his legacy individually, and. I think what the his stats said he he was the second person to have thirty seven thousand points I think yeah behind uh Kareem obviously yeah but I mean good good for him one point for the Lakers to look back on the season and just damn Bron Bron really did that yeah Bron oh god don't care enough to see them in the plane or anything I'm sorry I agree I mean you figure this is the second time. The second time they've lost to the Pelicans and the first time they got absolutely destroyed back at back in L.A. The second game tonight, they had a at least 20 point lead and they've blown. They blew that lead late in the fourth quarter. I mean, not surprising because they've blown a lot of leads to a lot of teams this season. They've won at least some of those games and lost a lot of those games. And for Braun to put up. 39, 9, and 5 in f- at least 41, 42 minutes. He is logging a lot of miles on his body, but at this point, I don't think he he cares, but he kind of doesn't. Uh, he, As he said, he's just trying to put on a show for the fans, trying to give them their money's worth, and honestly, I don't really fault him for it. Uh, as for the Lakers as a whole, this team is basically championship or nothing every year. Outside of those years uh, where Kobe was on his last stint and they were trying to go into a rebuilding slash young team phase, ever since they've gotten LeBron every season, it's been championship or bust. Uh, this season hasn't been what they hoped. And we'll just see what happens next year because I, I – after tonight, I kind of don't see them beating the Pelicans. Uh, <laughs> to be honest, I don't even know. I don't think Zion is probably coming back for New Orleans, but they don't even need him if they're just going to beat this Lakers team before or the play-in game. And they meet, I think, in four or five days. Yeah, I couldn't tell you the rest of the schedule. But um... – if you want to talk Lakers talk, the only Laker talk I'm I'm willing to participate in is about um, winning time. The show about the Lakers dynasty. If you want to talk to me about that, um, 
Yeah, I like that show. George put me on. I, I, I'm enjoying that show so far. I didn't know. Sorry. Are, are we done with this basketball talk real quick? Yeah, we can go into winning time. I'm, I'm good. Let, let me just go. I did not know that um, Norm Nixon's son plays him. Oh, wow. Did you know I, that? No, I it's didn't. I had no idea. I watched a little um, segment they got after the show. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how do you feel playing your dad? And I was like, wait, what? That's so crazy to me that he's playing. It's it, it reminds me of um uh NWA. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, man, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, I've kind of I like I p- think I've paid attention to the after where it's like Rick Fox talking with some of the actors. I think I've only watched one or two of them. So after that, I've kind of like skipped to other shows that I've like kind of needed to watch, but uh in terms of winning time, uh, not surprised about like the whole story. Uh, Jerry West, I kind of hate the way he is portrayed because I feel like Jerry West was not that type of person in real life. But as most mm-hmm. TV shows are, it's for dramatic effect. Uh, I would say, uh, what episode are you on, by the way? Uh, I think, uh, what is it? How many episodes have been out? Like 30? Uh, three. The fourth one just came out tonight. Yeah, I'll probably watch after this, but I, I'm caught up. I'm caught up to to all three, and I'm with you. I don't really like the way Jerry West portrayed. I think he's he uh, he's too well respected uh, for as long as he's been in the NBA. But obviously, yeah, dramatic effect. It's cool as the show, but I think the show is just cool in general, just because um, we didn't really live in that time. Mm-hmm. And we kind of like learned it, you know, just um, watching highlights, uh, just, I don't know, learn it, learning what the Lakers were all about at the time, the Showtime Lakers and magic and everything. I just think it's cool. And it, it, it's fun to to watch the storylines and be like, damn, like Norm Nixon really be magic one on one. Like it's like not real, but it's just fun to watch. Yeah, some of those some of those moments are uh dramatic for obviously for dramatic effect i remember paying attention or reading about i f- think it was in episode three where jerry west is talking to uh forget the coach's name from portland or jack mckinney um he's talking to jack mckinney and talking about how like mckinney is might be the head coach but uh i was reading in the actual timeline in the real event uh, Brian Cook actually had or Brian Cook. I can't remember or Jack Cook's name. I can't remember his uh, the general manager's name off the top of my head. But he actually had a say so in like picking the head coach. It wasn't just uh, Doctor Bus having the entire say so because at the time Doctor Bus didn't even own the team. So I feel like that is actually one thing that was surprising. And um, yeah, oh god. No, I was just going to say I'm excited for the new season. Just catch his next pod. We'll probably bring it up. Um, next pod, we'll probably maybe Pirtle. We'll play Pirtle on the, on the pod next 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 week. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't played it today if you wanted to right now. Uh, let's do it. I haven't, I haven't done it either. All right. I'm going to share my screen. Uh, hold on. Let me pull it up on my...
Uh, let me see where I'm supposed to go. Show all windows. Here we go. All right, we good? Here we go. Do not show the silhouette. Do not show the silhouette. Okay. We got to guess this off the top. All right. Who should we go with the guest here? You sure not to look at the silhouette, man? Like, I feel like that. Only do it. Only do it when you're, like, down six. It makes it fun. All right. Uh, Guard or forward? Mm, let's go with the guard. I feel like there's more guards in the NBAs. Uh, Eastern or Eastern, Eastern or Western Conference? Stick with the West. All right, uh, guards. We'll go. We'll just go off the top. We'll go, Paul. Okay, gave us. So we got West. Oh, a West guard. I was spot on with that. West guard, taller than six West feet. Guard, not in the Pacific. So that means it leaves us with the Northwest and the Southeast. Uh, taller than six feet. I feel like that narrows down a lot of players. Number is uh, he wears a number that is greater than three. So, uh, let's go north. What you should we pick? Uh, Anthony Simons, or do you have a better option? Well, my thought was D'Lo, but I was like, D'Lo wears zero, so maybe not him. Let's go with Simons. We'll see. Wait, no, Simons wears one, so it's not Simons. I just oh, realized that. Is true. That. that is true. Good call. Good call. Good call. Uh, taller than six foot. It is gotta be. Uh, it's gotta be a shooting guard if he's taller than six foot. That is true. Honestly, I mean, we can go. We can go anyone here. I'm gonna take a guess, and I'm gonna go Campazo. Not a chance. Hold on, he's not. He's he is not taller than six feet. Oh yeah, that is true. Um, he is not <laughs> that's he's true. Like five, he's like five nine. That is true. Uh, should we should we narrow it? Should we narrow it down to Luca? Let, let, yeah, I was gonna say let's go with Luca. Let's go with Luca. Oh, okay. So West, okay. Southwest, guard. Okay. We we already know it's a guard. He's a guard. He's not a forward. He's a guard. Yeah. So we okay, know he's a guard. Six, seven. Oh, he's young. Younger than twenty three. Okay. So uh, Southwest. Southwest. So it's no one from Dallas. So we got Houston. We have. Houston, Southwest, Southwest, Southwest. Houston, San Antonio. Uh, Houston, San Antonio. I think think OKC is in there, too. That's what I was going to say. Let me just make sure, because I honestly don't want to get this wrong. And Denver? No, Denver is a Northwest. No, Denver is Northwest. Uh, so narrowing it down, we have Houston, we have San Antonio, we have, I think New Orleans is in there. Oh, New Orleans, that's the thing. I was going to say CJ McCollum, but CJ wears three, so it's not him. And the dude is not. Younger than 23. That is true. We actually have the age. <laughs> okay, so he's at, he's got to be young. Uh, 
would you would you say would you say Jose Alvarado? Do it. Hold on. Is he six feet though? Yeah, I think he's taller than six feet. Mm, whatever. Go and try it. Alvarado. Shout out to Jose Alvarado. Okay, no, he he's same. He's six feet two. Okay, okay. so we have we narrowed out two teams. We narrowed out two teams. So it's either Houston, uh, it's Houston, San Antonio, or or Houston, San Antonio. I wish they had the divisions on here, but they don't. Okay, see, okay, see, okay, sees us. Northwest team, I think. Oh, damn. Uh, My first thought was Shea, but Shea can't because he wears the number two. Giddy was also one, but he wears three. Houston. Who are the guards on Houston? KPJ? Could be DeJounte? Is he, he's older than 23, huh? Oh, yeah, I forget. The age actually does matter because I was about to say Eric Gordon, but then I just realized 23, uh, younger than 23. Um, that man's like 40. Uh, yeah. Okay, who else is on San Antonio? Uh, Lonnie Walker? So, we could go. Lonnie Walker was the number one. Okay, yeah, good point. Uh, Devin Vassell, that's we actually go, true. We can go Trey Jones. Even maybe Trey Jones, but he's not taller than. Uh, is he taller than six feet? I would say he's six foot on the dot or six one is my guess. Uh Devin Vassell. Where is it number thirty three? All right, so Devin Vassell. Mm, I don't think it's gonna be Devin Vassell. I think I'm gonna, gonna classify him as a forward. I'm gonna look up the NBA divisions just so that I can narrow it down. Because I'm missing a team. Yeah. Uh, we said Southwest. Oh, I think I know who it is. Well, hold on. Who's the other team? Memphis. Is it? Is it who I think it is? Would you say Desmond Bain? Younger than 23, I think. I feel like he is 23. He was old coming out. Do you remember? That is true. He was like 22. And what is this? His second year? He has to be 23. Okay, so. Could be Ja. Could also be Ja. Oh, wait, it can't be Ja. Can't be Ja. be over. I was gonna say it's like Jar DeAnthony Melton, but I'm thinking enough. I saw the numbers; they don't wear that. Go with Desmond Bain. We'll see what happens. Okay, so it's not Desmond Bain, so, and you were right; it was 23. Uh, he is 23, so that only leaves Houston and San Antonio. Try, try Trey Jones. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> ah, this what is why I, I love this say? guy. <laughs> this what is, did I say? This is why I love this guy, man. You you called oh, it. Man. You called it earlier, and I and I kind of oh, was like man. second guessing, but 
This is why this is why he is my this is why Carlos is my guy, man. This is why we started this damn podcast because me and George in high school during our free time, what did we do? This. Yep. This and Sporacle. <laughs> and Sporacle. Soon we'll, we'll we'll have a Sporacle quiz um, game segment soon. Yes, for sure. Uh, I guess. Shout out to Trey Jones. Yeah. That, that, we had it. And honestly, I'm glad we didn't look at the silhouette because that was actually a challenge. That was a challenge. Yeah, it's fun, dude. It's fun, yeah. Uh, you have anything else you want to talk about? Uh, we can wrap it up. Uh, no, I think I think we're good to wrap it up. All right, this was the first episode of the Four Out One In podcast. Uh, if you want, you can follow me on Twitter at imgwh3. That is my Twitter handle. Instagram imgwh underscore lower, three lowercase eyes. Uh, if you want to give your IG and Twitter handle. Yeah, on all socials, I am at RafCosas18. That's R-A-F-C-O-S-T-S-18. I don't really be posting sports takes, but you can hit me up on the DM if you want to talk. I love talking college basketball um, or winning time for that for that matter. Um, high school hoops, uh, I'm open to talk about anything, so hit me on there too. Yep. Uh, as I said, this is the first episode of the Four Out One In podcast. Look forward to many more. And uh, it's your host, George Hamilton III. Carlos Costa. And we're signing off. Deuces. Oh, stop sharing.